So, like I said, um, we're still kind of doing a normal thing tonight, but I love, you guys, I love this summer stuff just because it's a little more intimate crowd. I don't know, you're maybe here a little more because you want to be than because your friends are here, maybe. I know you're, you're still here because your friends are here, but here's what's going on. If you don't know this, in the summer, we pretty much always do a series called Overflow. Every summer, at least we've done it the last three summers, and the whole point is of overflow is whoever's teaching, we get to share whatever is kind of overflowing out of us, whatever God has put on our heart, and just something that God is teaching us, that sort of thing. And it's always really cool, I mean, somewhat just to hear, like, it's just cool to hear stories about what, what God's teaching other people. In fact, I was just going to say, if you ever are, like, hanging out, and at least if you're a Christian, maybe you're not, but if you're a Christian and you're, like, hanging out with your friends and you do what you do this summer, I don't know what you're doing, but you're hanging out, and you're kind of like, whatever, there's a lull in the conversation. You're, you're at the movie theater, and you're waiting for the movie to start. A great question to ask your friends is just like, hey, hey, what's God been teaching you lately? Hey, what, what's God been teaching you? And you might not even, like, if I asked John, what's God been teaching you lately? You might not even know, but you'd probably go, you know, I don't really know, but I think God's kind of been teaching me this, because this has kind of been happening. So a lot of you probably don't even think about that, but it's a great question to ask some, especially your Christian friends, your non-Christian friends, and be like, what are you talking about? Um, but it's a good question to ask. And so it's kind of what we're, what we're doing. Um, and so I'm up this week, obviously, I'm up here, and I'm going to teach. Um, next week, Ben, Ron is going to be here. He's kind of half home at his home in Iowa over the summer, but he's going on, on the OGN trip with us, and he'll be teaching next week. On the 19th, you guys, June 19th, we're going to have a, a guest speaker here. Um, he's a student from Nebraska Christian College here in town. And in fact, that week, um, I'm excited. There's a whole group that they're actually leading worship that week. And then one of them, um, his name's Jordy, is going to teach. And uh, they're kind of traveling around the Midwest doing stuff. And so anyway, that's what's going on. Then we're off for two weeks. And we're back on three weeks in July. And in July, we're going to do a series on forgiveness. I think all those three weeks called Let It Go. So I'm excited about that as well. Um, that's kind of planned out. Tonight, here's the thing. If you have a, an outline or a pen and note card, I want to talk about becoming people, becoming the type of people who share our faith in Christ with others. How do we become the type of people who share our faith in Christ with others? So um, on your uh, outline, I don't know how it's worded on there, but I think it's becoming the type of people who share your faith in Christ with others. Almost half of this teaching tonight is going to be application, a certain application, and at first it's, you're, you're going to be like, what in the world does this, what you're talking about, Brad, have to do with sharing our faith um, with others? And yet, according to the, the passage we're going to look at tonight, I think it has, amazingly, it has everything to do with sharing our faith with others, something kind of a, an individual thing, a personal thing that we, that we do, and so as we get to that, um, it'll make sense. But here's the thing, as people living in America in 2013, in the 21st century, sharing your faith in Christ with others is hard, isn't it? It's really hard. Um, in fact, people don't even really like this topic much anymore of evangelism. I know from experience from the times I was, when I was in, in um, high school and college, I'm guessing it's the same for you. It would be easier for you to just say, hey, will you come to church with me? than to say, like, hey, I'm a Christian, can I tell you about Jesus? Most of you, that would scare you to death. Like, you would just, I don't, you're like, I don't know what I would say. Um, I would try to explain it to them. 
We live in a culture where we want little sound bites, we want to be captivated, we want to be entertained, and um, we're deathly afraid of awkwardness to some degree, right? I mean, if things get awkward, I love to kind of like sit in the awkwardness, and I almost, I think like I like to make it worse, just because I, I may be a little more comfortable in front of people, and I can make things awkward all the time, and I do quite a bit. But we just hate awkwardness, right? And so it's really hard, and in fact, I've heard people say that when you're in high school, it's the greatest time in your life to influence others for Jesus Christ. And I think that's true, isn't it? I mean, but have you heard that before? That when you're in high school, even more than in college, but in college too, it's the, it's the easiest time in life to influence other people. Um, you're just around them all the time. I mean, maybe college is even easier than high school because you're living with people, you're standing in the dorms with them, they're on your hall, you're living together. But in high, you're never around that many um, younger people when you're in high school, you're still trying to figure out kind of what you believe, what you're going to live for, who you are. And by the time you're in your 20s, you kind of have that decided. You've entered the workforce, the marketplace, whatever you're going to do. You're an artist. You do that. And, uh, and you just kind of do your thing for the rest of your life. I mean, maybe you get married. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have a family. Maybe you don't. But man, where you guys are at right now, it's huge. It's pivotal. Um, Katie Brock is here tonight. Katie just finished her first, her first year in Lincoln. And she was like, I want to minister in Omaha this summer. I could have gone and done other things. So she, like, she started this college Bible study every Thursday night that's been going since the beginning of the summer. She's organized it with a friend, and it's great. I spoke there two weeks ago. I mean, it's awesome. It was, seriously, it was great. And I don't know how much work that took for you, but you did a really good job of planning it. Um, but you know, I mean, you're, like, you're taking advantage of your time in the summer. And with a friend, she started a college Bible study. There's not a lot of those going on in Omaha during the summer. And so, um, just, but it's hard. I'm, what I'm saying is, despite that, it's very, very hard. And I want, I want to acknowledge that. I think you guys all know it because you live it every day. You're not in school right now. But despite the fact that you can influence your friends really easily in high school, doesn't matter, right? It's like, it's still incredibly hard. Sure, I can maybe say, hey, come to Oasis. But I can't just say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Because what if, what if they make a joke? What if they make you feel stupid? What if they make fun of you? Any little thing, boy, it's just like we're definitely afraid of that. Someone making a jab at us, we can't take it. Here's the thing, though. I, think, I don't think the question is so much that we should share our faith. I think we know that we're, we should or that's a good thing to do. I think the biggest question we have is how do we do it? Again, in the 21st century, in 2013, how do you do it? I mean, in Maybe you're like, I do think the best way is to just say, hey, come to church. Colin, I don't know if you've been here before. I'm pointing people out. You're dating Taylor, and so you're here tonight. Taylor was singing. Maybe it was despite the fact that she was singing. You're here. You guys are all, you have, you know people. You are you're in friendships with people. You have relationships with people. And so you, you say, hey, come along. Come do what I'm doing. But it's still hard. I, you know, I, uh, the question is, how do we do it? I don't remember one time, you guys, in high school that I shared my testimony with a close friend, that I said, hey, Aaron, um, I had a good friend, Aaron, I've talked about him plenty, that got caught up into drugs and stuff. I don't know that I ever once said, let me tell you my testimony. Can I tell you my testimony? Now, I could have done that. Was I wrong for not doing that? Probably not. Maybe. Maybe I should have, um, but maybe that's okay. I've, I never shared the four spiritual laws with with anybody in my high school class. You know what the four spiritual laws are? Maybe you've never even heard of them. I mean, this is a track that kind of says the four spiritual laws. 
um, Campus Crusade for Christ back in the 90s. They were all about this, and they're all true. You've heard these before. It's essentially like a way to present the gospel, and so law one is God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. And it talks about sin. It just talks about the gospel, but it's that I could have said, hey, Aaron, can I you know, sit down with you? I never did that. I wasn't very comfortable doing that. Many of you probably haven't done this method either, but you do something somehow. And so um, here's the thing. The only thing I think I did was when I was in high school, I lived a somewhat consistent life as a Christian, somewhat. And people knew that I was a Christian at my high school, not because they just guessed, at least I don't think. I think they knew because I talked about it. I made it known. I wasn't ashamed of it. And I think that, at the least, was something. Um, so did I fail at being a Christian in high school? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But there's two things I want you to see tonight from the Bible that I think will give you an indicator, that I think will give me an indicator of whether I did or not. So will you grab your Bible, if you have it, or grab an app, if you, uh, that's your method, Bible app. Don't be surfing on Twitter, though. Got to keep that Bible app open. Turn with me to the letter of 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter of 1 Corinthians. This is just a letter, but toward the back of your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16, starting at verse 16. Isn't this crazy when you think about it? You know, like this was, this was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the people living in Corinth, and uh, just look at how long this is. Can you imagine? I, I think maybe Paul was in a jail cell when he was writing this. I don't know what he wrote it on. They didn't have ink pens. And look at how long this is. What's the longest letter you've ever written? This is just a side note, by the way. The longest letter you've written was like in middle school, and it, and it was like, will you go out with me? Yes or no? Circle one. I mean, some of you write long letters, girls. Maybe you do. Maybe, but... Can you imagine sitting in a jail cell and Paul's just like giving, writing all this stuff down, sends it to the, the churches in Corinth. All right, verse 16. I'm going to kind of just dissect this. I'm not going to read it all through once. I'm going to um, read a little bit and then comment, and then we'll get to uh, kind of that application stuff I was talking about at the end. Um, so starting at verse 16, Paul, just context real quick, beginning of chapter 9, he's kind of talking about his rights as an apostle and whether he's using his rights or not. Um, so verse 16, he says, yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. I can't brag about it. For he says, I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me. Woe to me if, he do, if I do not preach the gospel. I mean, woe is kind of like saying, literally like, send destruction down upon me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily of my own accord, if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. I'm simply like throwing it away. I'm simply giving rid of it. If I don't do this voluntarily, I'm just throwing away the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Um, So time out for a sec. Basically, I just love how passionate Paul is about the gospel. He's like, it has to be spoken. The good news of Jesus, it's new. I mean, he's writing this. I, I, don't, I didn't look up the date and stuff. I didn't study that. But it's like, I don't know, 30 to 50 years after Jesus was literally on the earth. 
And he's like, we found the solution, people. We know the solution to the condemnation of sin. We know the solution to us being alienated from God. Jesus made the way. He he made it. And by dying on the cross for our sins, he took our punishment on himself, paid the price for it, and we get his righteousness. Why are we sitting on our hands, people? Like, what are we doing? And it has to be spoken. Paul was not like, you know what? They're going to tell you you're a Christian because of the way you act. Old Brad Zook, he did it fine. He just lived a very consistent life, and people knew that he was a Christian. Maybe, but that doesn't get people saved. There's got to be words spoken. Um, I love how passionate he is. Like, I'm compelled to preach. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Now, this reminds me, you don't have to flip there. Um, You can put it up on the screens, Tyler. This reminds me of Romans chapter 10. Phenomenal verse. I just finished Romans in my own just personal like Bible reading stuff. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Look at this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? He's talking about people getting saved, people being saved by Jesus Christ. How can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and he quotes from the book of Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So he kind of just breaks it down, right? Like any, I don't know if he was just a logical kind of guy. People need to be sent. People need to be sent in order to preach. And so if they preach, people will hear. Even here tonight, I'm talking, you are hearing. Some people will believe, some people won't. But when everyone talks, you hear it, right? You hear a noise. If a tree falls in the woods and no one's there to hear it, does it still make a noise? I don't know side comment. Um, Preaching, you have to say something or no one's going to hear. Sure, you can live a very consistent lifestyle, but at some point, they're not just going to, maybe they'll say like, what's different about your life, but maybe not. And Paul is saying, look, people are dying and going to hell because they're alienated from God, because we've all rebelled against God. Whether we want to or not, we're, we're we're dying and going to hell. At some point, we're all going to die, and people are going to an eternity without God, and Paul says, we've got to care about it. So that's what he's talking about. That's the topic. So he goes on, and uh, what are the two points? How do we do this? How do we share our faith in Christ with others, and how do we do it well? So um, second section, look at that next paragraph if you have a Bible open, verses 19 through 23. Paul writes, this is, this is phenomenal. This is like Paul's strategy for preaching to people and for getting people um, just to listen to him, to respect him. Though I am free, he says, and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. Paul like was a Jew, if you don't know this, before Saul, before he became Paul, but now he's a Christian. Jews only believed in the Old Testament. They're still Jews today, at least they're still waiting for a Messiah to come. So there's Judaism is the same as people being a Jew. If you've never heard that before, Judaism. Paul says, I'm not a Jew anymore. But you know what? To win the Jews, I'm going to act like a Jew to win them. To those under the law, he goes on, I became like one under the law. Little parentheses here, though I myself am not under the law so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not, I'm, I'm not free from God's law, although I am 
Now, that's right. I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. And then he writes this, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I'm just trying to get people saved. I'm trying to save people from hell, from condemnation, from an eternity without God, from a meaningless life. Um, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So we're going to stop there. This, this is Paul's strategy. It's really not all that hard. Now, even he just says, if I'm going to try to like win the Jews, I'm going to be like a Jew. I don't know what those groups are for us today. We don't, we don't talk about Jews, non-Jews, people under the law, people not under the law. Um, it's somewhat like maybe like you're an athlete and, uh, or you're not an athlete. How are you going to win that group of athletes that are on your, uh, I don't know, or down the hall from you? I was going to go to college. Like Matt, Matt, Matt's going to UNL too. Um, maybe he's got like some buddies. They're all athletes. You think Matt's going to go down there and talk about chess with them? Probably not. No, he's going to talk about football. He's going to talk about sports. Um, you want to win? I don't You want to win the emo crowds? Is that what you still call them? Gothic type? Like, how do you win? You want to, you want to witness to skateboarders? You want to get a skateboard? Maybe that's a first start. Yeah, I got some, some guys with a skateboard in the back. What do you do? Paul says, to win the Jews... Get this, I'm just going to become like a Jew. Here's the first point. How do you do it? We relate to them. We relate to them. Did you guess that or was it already up there? How do we become people who share our faith in Christ with others? We relate to them. For most of you, you're not, you're not in such, some kind of weird subculture enough that you could relate to almost anyone, um, but still you've got to be accepting of others. Um, Paul just said, I mean, he literally says, I'm going to become all things to all men so that hopefully some people might get saved. Um, now, we don't start sinning along with them. I thought of this before. In fact, I maybe had some Christian friends that tried to use this in high school. Well, so Brad, if I'm trying to win my friends at all, they get drunk every weekend. Everyone goes to the parties. They're all drinking and everyone gets drunk. So I'm going to go to the party and drink with them. I'm, am I not living this out? Brad, like, I'm doing what Paul says, be like them, relate to them. I totally had friends that did that, um, but their heart wasn't right, and I don't think they're really trying to witness. They just wanted to party too. Um, that doesn't mean Paul didn't maybe go to the party. I don't know what he did, but Paul never compromises on sin, and we shouldn't either, okay? So don't, don't make Paul say something here that he's not saying. So don't make that excuse, oh, it's fine, you can just go on sinning with other people because I'm trying to reach them. Um, don't compromise on sin. But how do we apply this? First of all, we've got to find a, a, like a non-Christian friend. Do you have non-Christian friends? And that's even easier said than done. I know some of, some of you are homeschooled. You're just like, I'm homeschooled. It's what I want to do. It's what my parents want me to do. That's hard. Um, but step one, find an unbelieving friend. Find, step two, find things in common with this non-Christian friend and build a relationship with them. Just relate to them. Eventually, step three, share Christ with them. I want to read you a list real quick. Um, got time. This, this is 10 things, 10 really awesome things that you do before you would ever like share your testimony to somebody. Like just say, hey, can I, can I maybe tell you about Jesus? 10 things that I actually think this is evangelism in today's world. Number one, maybe you just try some of these. First of all, 
Let others know of your Christian faith by simply mentioning church attendance or Christian beliefs in casual conversation. Just mention that you went to church on Sunday or that you, are, that you consider yourself a Christian. That's something. Number two, ask questions about other people's beliefs and experiences with faith and church and simply listen appreciatively and sympathetically. In about three weeks, um, 25 of us are going to San Diego for OGN. We get trained a little more on this stuff and we go out on the beach and we do this exact thing. We approach strangers and we say, hey, can I talk to you about spiritual things? What do you believe? Oh, you're an atheist? Oh, cool. Tell me how you became an atheist. When did you, why do you believe that? Oh, you're a, you're a, you're a Muslim? Tell me about that. Number three, listen sympathetically when someone, when someone, let me start over. Listen sympathetically to someone's challenges and mention that you will pray regularly for them. Just say, hey, I'll pray for you about that. Can I pray for you about that? Um, number four, share a difficult personal issue that you have and be sure to mention that your faith helps you by giving you strength and, and granting you forgiveness. Um, number five, share your spiritual narrative, a brief testimony of your Christian experience. So this is supposed to be like a one-on-one informal thing. Here's a few more. Offer someone a book or a recording about Christian issues. Invite them to discuss their reactions. Um, what is this? Number seven, initiate a discussion about a friend's biggest problems with or objections to Christianity. Listen respectfully and give them some things to read and discuss. You may be like, I'm not prepared for that one. Um, but you could be someday. Matt Vilter probably is. He's, like, he's in college now. you got people all the time. Regularly read a part of the Bible together, preferably one of the Gospels, to discuss the character of Jesus. Um, and then finally, invite friends to situations or activities where they'll meet some believers, where there's other Christians present. Um, invite friends to venues where they hear the gospel communicated, um, so to church, to some other event, to a small group. Um, finally, share the basics of the Christian faith with your friend. I know some of you, you're like, I mean, maybe that pertains more to your, your parents who like have great relationships with their coworkers who aren't Christians. Um, but seriously, for some of you that this is you in like two years, you're in college, you're out of high school, you're working a job. Many of you have summer jobs right now with people and uh, you have relationships with all kinds of non-believing friends whether you're homeschooled or not. Um, Okay, final thing. Um, Go to that last paragraph to finish the chapter out. 1 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 24. So Paul kind of wraps this up, but he changes the subject. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown, that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Um, what's he saying? Here's, here's the blanks. Here's point number two about how. Like, how do we share our faith with others? First of all, we relate to others. We get to know them. We build relationships with them. We become all things to all people so that we can win people to faith. Secondly, we live very purposeful and disciplined lives as Christians. We live very purposeful and disciplined lives as Christians. I don't know that I've ever studied the context before. These number of verses are are quoted all over the place. Um, Paul starts bringing up like athletic um, imagery and everyone who competes in, I think he's maybe talking about the, like, 
Olympic-style games that they had in that, in that time. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They get, a, they get a crown. They get like a wreath or something, I think is what they got back in the day. But it died, right? It was just didn't last. But he says, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Um, we train. We run. We fight. He goes, all of that, why? So that after I've preached to others, I don't shipwreck my faith. Or people don't go, what happened to that guy? He's preaching all the time, and he's a hypocrite. He just did. I, I looked up a list online. I wanted to see if I could find a list of the number of pastors and stuff, just church leaders, that have um, had moral failures, failures. I mean, the list is like crazy, primarily with cheating or adultery or whatever, sleeping with someone that's not, you know, that they're not married to. Those numbers are outrageous. Paul says, I don't want to be disqualified for the prize. I don't care if you're in church ministry or not. Most of, I mean, you're, you're students. You still, you're a Christian. People look at you and they're saying, why are, you, why are you partying every weekend if you are a Christian? Why are you smoking this? Why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you swearing like that all the time? Are, you're a Christian? Really? Um, Paul says, man, and it's hard. It's a fight. We got to train. We got we to gotta beat our bodies. It's not fun. You want to get in shape for a marathon? It's hard work. You don't just wake up one morning and go run 26 miles. That's work. So how do we train ourselves? Um, how do we live a purposeful and disciplined life? Um, the answer is this. Well, I think one of the answers, one, we just seek the face of God, but we seek the Lord through what I'm calling spirit-empowered disciplines. Um, classic spiritual disciplines. One of those might be is coming to church and worshiping corporately. Um, Things like prayer and personal Bible reading and fasting and um, solitude and silence. is. These are all just like classical spiritual disciplines that people have written volumes and volumes and books on. Um, So I want to pass out something to you. As we kind of close, here's kind of this somewhat big application piece. Um, I'm going to go over for you just this simple like Bible study method um, that we kind of implemented for a few weeks at May that we called Fight Club. And we'll do Fight Club again. We're kind of, I, I wanted to start it in May for the simple reason that some of you just graduated from high school and I thought some of these seniors might go off to college and even through four, four years of Oasis, they were never, you were never taught a simple way of how to study the Bible. Like, how do I study the Bible? Um, what exactly do I do? And so that's why I was like, no better time to start it. Um, I think, though, maybe this fall we'll keep doing it, but it is, we try to do it Friday, Friday mornings, like at 6 a.m. It was pretty early. Um, maybe I'll try a Saturday afternoon or something. Maybe we'll stay on Fridays, but Saturday afternoon, maybe more people are around. Um, so here's the thing. Could Don Lund and Brian Machat, are you around? Can you guys pass these out? I'm going to start just with this. Give half of those to Brian. Again, I know like maybe eventually I'm going to get through this and you're going to go, I've kind of heard this before. It's nothing sexy. Um, it's not necessarily sexy, but it's a discipline. Do you like how? I never used the word sexy until I was in college at Grace and my youth ministry professor like, really liked using that word, and so he would use it as an adjective for all kinds of stuff. 
I suppose it's awkward with you guys because you're not used to them. <laughs> All right, pull this out. So this is, um, I, didn't, I didn't write this. This is primarily excerpts kind of from a, a book called The Divine Mentor. Um, but this was kind of so when people came to Fight Club, and we, if we did it on Fridays, I could just hand them this, and so the rest of us could kind of jump right into what we do, and they could, they could read it on their own and um, decide how to do it. So some of this is like six pages, but I want to read just a very, very brief part of this. So turn to page three, the self-feeding program at the top. Um, maybe you can, most of you can see because the lights are up. So it says, imagine that your mom sees you one day, gaunt and weak-looking. Your eyes are sunken into gray sockets. Your body's frail, exposing your skeleton. Your abdomen is distended from starvation. You've obviously not been eating. When she, she, when she sees you in this condition, she exclaims, what in the world is happening to you? Your answer is, I'm not getting fed around here. Then, continuing your lament, you cry out, no one is feeding me. What do you think her response would be? She would say, feed yourself, like eat something. For the Christian, the practice of daily time spent with Christ in His Word, call this whatever you prefer, daily devotions, a quiet time, a prayer life, personal Bible study, time with God, etc., is how we feed ourselves. Nothing is more important or essential than this. Without it, we grow weaker and weaker and will eventually die of starvation. The source for the Christian, that which fuels, ignites, guides, sustains, and empowers absolutely everything, is time with the Master. Quiet, reverent, unhurried moments in the presence of Christ. You guys, I've read books on the spiritual disciplines. You can be as disciplined as you can be, but this is the core thing. Not just like, oh, I'm going to fast for the sake of fasting. There are plenty of non-Christians who fast and go without food in order to feel good about themselves or in order to cleanse their body or whatever. I think the most important spiritual discipline ever is time with God through His Word. Um, Skip some of this other stuff. You can read that later. I hope you do. Turn it over to the back side, page four, back side of that page, under the heading that says, Five Things for Life. It says, Are you ready to develop a lifelong habit that will transform the way you think, act, and live? Here are the five things that will help you develop that habit. Don't leave home without them. Um, five things. Bible, a pen, a journal, which can be just pad of paper or electronic. I love the app called Evernote. Um, a Bible reading plan and Bible study method card, what I call, and I just kind of developed this, the Fight Club Guide. Um, when you do devotions, when you commit right underneath that, when you commit to spending 40 minutes alone with God, and when you plan to maximize those minutes, you will begin not only to hear from God, but also to understand and be changed by the good news of Jesus Christ like never before. This practical plan has been field tested by Christian believers all over the world. And so I kind of go into like the five things, bring your Bible, bring a pen, bring a journal, um, go to page five, bring a Bible reading plan. When you do your devotions, make sure you have a map or a reading plan that guides you. If you don't, it's really long and overwhelming, and I'm not reading at this point, but um, you're kind of like, where do I start? So I've got two more things I want you to walk away with. I always enjoy handouts, if you don't realize that. But I can do it a little more in the summertime when... Uh, there's maybe less of you, or there's those of you that just take the thing. That's probably plenty.
Bible reading plan. Maybe many of you already have some kind of Bible, a one-year Bible. Um, maybe you never read the Bible. Maybe the reason you don't ever read the Bible is because you don't have a, a plan. There's actually two. What you're getting is, like, there's a reading for every day of the year. Um, at the top where the Oasis logo is, it says condensed version. There's a condensed version. In my hand, I've got the full version. This, like, if you would actually read it every single day of the year, would have you read the entire Old Testament and the New Testament twice in a year. Um, I feel like, though, it's like, it's like three or four chapters a day, and it's pretty overwhelming, especially for a student, and I don't even recommend it. So the condensed version, if you looked at these two side by side, they would look almost identical, except this has a couple chapters that the one you have in your hand doesn't have. It's just a little more cut down. Um, I would kind of stress, like, you have a plan. So every day, I mean, this is what I'm using personally right now. You go to May, whatever today, or June 5th, and that's what I read this morning. I started Ecclesiastes, or I started Ephesians, I started Ecclesiastes tomorrow. I really did. I did it this morning. I finished Proverbs. Um, It's a plan. If you skip a day, if you actually decide to do this, the goal is not to check off every single box. Inevitably, you'll skip days. And you need to start with that current day's scheduled reading. Um, but you can read more about the Bible reading plan. Final thing I'm going to give you is, uh, again, what I call like the fight club guide, which is a little more kind of the nuts and bolts of what exactly you do. Um, there's a bajillion different Bible study plans out there, different Bible study methods. This is just one. Um, I've studied this a lot, and I like this one a lot. Um, but it's not the only one. Thanks, Don. So that last card you get, I'm not going to talk through that all that much. It's pretty self-explanatory. There's kind of four parts. You kind of just go through Certainly a, a good chunk of what you'll do if you have 40 minutes is like reading the stuff. Um, there's this website that's just now called Bible.com, but you can listen to it. And so I, I always use like the ESV translation, which you plug in your headphones and it'll read it to you. And so that's what I do in the morning. Otherwise, I'll fall asleep. I'll fall asleep just like you guys have fallen asleep before trying to read your Bible. Um, but Bible.com is a great resource, and there's like an audio button, and it'll read it to you. And that actually helps me kind of track along faster. The main thing on that little card is that like meditation piece, and you, it is, I highly recommend actually journaling out something, like writing some stuff down, writing out a prayer. If you don't write out your prayers, your mind goes a million miles an hour, it goes all over the place, you start thinking about that girl that you like, or the guy that you like, or whatever, and you can't concentrate. Um, so try writing it out. Look at the very, pot- the very bottom of page six, and I'm, I'll kind of end with this, the 2020-20 program. This is really what we started to do when we did Fight Club for about a month in May. It's kind of the interactive part, but Fight Club works like this. Look at the three bullets. So really, t- first 20 minutes is just Bible reading on your own, and you go to the, the Life Journal plan, and you find your reading, and that's what we did. We all did it just on our own. 20 minutes, then journaling on your own, this is the meditation part of the Fight Club Guide. 
But then the last 20 minutes, you like get into small groups, groups of three or four, and everyone just shares what they've journaled. And it's, it's awesome. Like, you just learned stuff from God's Word. You studied it. You applied it. You went through, like, you did have the plan. Those four meditation things, I think, are huge, too. So you're not just trying to guess what the Bible's trying to say. But, but you just read your entry. I mean, it says each person will share what they've journaled. Everyone takes a turn. Just read your entry. Just read what you wrote down. So it's not all that awkward, but everyone just has a chance to share. And even it's kind of cool because you all just read the same thing. And uh, the goal is you pick like a verse or two verses that you're going to like journal about. And so uh, you're like, oh, you picked the same thing I did. Like that just popped out at me. God kind of like laid that on my heart and popped out at me. So take these home because I don't want to see them here. If you go home and throw them away, do whatever you want with them. I don't want you to throw them away. I want you to use them. But I don't want to see them laying around here. Does it still take some working at? Yes. Maybe you start with just reading a chapter a day. Or maybe you start with just reading, um, you take this plan and you just read the New Testament piece. Started Ephesians today, you're starting with Ephesians. But tuck this in your Bible, leave it there. I don't think I've given you one of these for a long, long time. Um, maybe I have once before. What's pretty cool too is if suddenly our whole like, community of Oasis, we're all reading the same Bible passage every day. Like, honestly, that's pretty awesome. I love, whole churches have adopted this exact, like, life journal plan because Wayne Cordero, who wrote this book kind of on it, it's kind of all over the place. Let me close in prayer. Is that cool? Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for how you work in our lives. God, I thank you for saving us. For those of us in here, at least tonight, that are Christians, that claim to be Christians, that have surrendered our life to you, God, that are banking on your record for eternity, not our own, that we are trusting the fact that you took our place and we're banking on your righteousness and not our own. God, thank you for your salvation. And God, I thank you that, God, you want us to share our faith with others, and that's extremely hard. And yet, God, you give us little insights like Paul here in 1 Corinthians 9 God just saying, you want us to relate to people, and we're human beings, and we all should relate to others. And so, God, give us, those, um, give us a heart for lost people. Give us a heart for friends at school that aren't Christians. God, I pray that we would push far against creating a, a Christian bubble around ourselves, a little safe, little cozy life of isolation. God, it's, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's scary, sometimes we're tempted very badly by the things other, other people do. So God, protect us from that. But God, I pray that we would engage a very lost and lonely world and we would engage them as Christians, that we wouldn't do it um, just because we're supposed to, that we would do it because we love other people. And God, I thank you that you even show in your word that a, a part of doing that is us living a very purposeful and consistent and disciplined life. And so God, I pray that you would give us, God, give us the energy, give us the capacity. God, this summer, most of us have the time. God, Allow us to get into your word and to spend daily time with you alone and to establish that relationship with you. God, I thank you for this plan in my own life. I thank you for how it works in my own life. God, I look forward to this time every morning at six o'clock from six to seven. I just love sitting with you and looking into your word. And God, I pray that other students in this room would try it out. Maybe it's right before bed. Maybe it's at lunchtime. I don't know when, but God, I pray that we'd try it out and I pray that we'd be changed by it. So, Jesus, um, continue to change and transform, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.